0: You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode.
1: So tonight's our second night, um, which we're looking at the, the promises to Abraham. The first night we spent a little bit of our introductory looking at Abraham's faith, and we we went through last um, last week what we call the conditional promise. Got it. Had faith and believed God, didn't he? So there he was, living a life in the of the cool days. Moved on to, to Haran, and God appeared to Abraham, didn't he? He said, "All right, well, these are the promises I'm I'm, I'm choosing to give you. I'll make it thee a great nation. I'll bless thee and make thy name great." I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curse thee, and they shall all families of the earth be blessed if, if you show your faith and leave Ur of the Chaldees to a land that I haven't shown you. So that was the condition, wasn't it? That Abraham would show faith that what God had said, he would perform. And we looked at that. We broke those, those promises up into the four different parts. A, a national promise, about a nation that would, would come out of um, of, of Abraham uh, through his children and his seed. A personal blessing to Abraham, his name being great. The fact that there'd be a family of those that would choose to accept and follow the faith of Abraham and would be blessed. And then not only that, it wouldn't just add a family, but it would end up being this international fulfillment of the promises, the whole world we looked at in Romans would be filled with those that have that characteristic of faith. So faith was really the thing that we, we, we considered last time. We looked a little bit at Hebrews 11. I don't know if you remember me telling you this story about, you know, a man once going up to someone, an atheist, and saying, you know, I really admire your faith because you believe that nothing plus nobody makes everything. All right, and that's really randomness, isn't it? That, that they can just believe that out of nothing, everything can come. And we had a look at Hebrews 11, verse 3. We said that we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So we had this equation, didn't we? That God plus God's word made everything. God plus God's word made everything. And we've... we've gone through that as we've done our our first principles and considered creation but what this really shows to us is that God's got a purpose when he's created everything and so when things happen we believe that there's a God behind it which has got a purpose with those things happening particularly in this scenario where he's called someone out Abram and said you do this and I will bless you Particularly in that point, we can say, well, God's got a purpose in that. It's not random. God's got a purpose in it. And we went on to say, show how, how faith, a person to show faith has to have two things. They have to believe that God exists, which is the whole thing behind purpose, isn't it? They believe that God is, is working in the world to bring about his purpose. But not only that, that if they listen to God, that God is faithful in rewarding them diligently seeking. So here's Abram. He's given four promises or a four-part promise. And he believed that God was going to fulfill that promise. But he died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And yet he was still persuaded and embraced and confessed that in this earth I'm a stranger and pilgrim because I seek a country that's to come. Now, For most of us, if someone promised us something and we died before the promise was actually fulfilled, then you would say that that really wasn't a faithful rewarder, was it? So Abraham, he didn't really inherit any part of Canaan. He didn't see his name become great. He didn't see the whole world filled with people that had faith in God. But when he died he still believed it would happen. And that's where we want to follow through tonight. Because often we do follow through and look at the national seed and the promise that's given to Abraham. And out of his seed came the nation of Israel. I've already had a few nights on that. Brother Steve did that earlier on. But what we want to focus on tonight is there's actually more of a message in that seed which answers the question that I just posed before how did Abraham still have faith in God fulfilling the promises even though he died not having received them? And that's where I want to follow through tonight and have a look at a few, a few uh, the, the, this concept of the promised seed. So last week we went through and we saw how these promises were confirmed throughout Abraham's life. There was a period of about 100 years from 75 when he was called through to 175 when he died. And this promise was was reiterated to him a number of times and it tested and tried his faith. You notice as we go through those, those six different uh, places where that, that promise is confirmed by God, that often it comes up and speaks about the seed. And this is the little exercise I want your kids to make sure that you, you work your way through tonight. Now we're doing a series called The Golden Thread, yeah? And we've heard this concept of a seed before. Anyone remember where it was? Yeah, it's pretty, I should press B, shouldn't I? Back or or black. Where was it? One of the young guys. Yep. In Genesis. All right. Genesis 3, verse 15, wasn't it? And there was two seeds, and your dad did the talk on it. There was two seeds. One seed, which was the seed of the serpent, removed God from its thinking. And Uncle Jamie told us to go back and listen to the Sunday school tapes, and I haven't done this, but, you know that evil-sounding seed of the serpent. He's a liar. He's sinful. And he's got lusts of the flesh. He detracts. He moves away from God's thinking, doesn't he? But then there was also the seed of the woman. And the seed of the woman stood up for the things of God. It was truthful, faithful, tried to live a godly way of life, had the mind of the spirit. And this, these two seeds were going to interact, and they were going to be at enmity or friction against each other, such that eventually the seed of the woman would suffer a bruise to its heel, just a temporary one, a temporary injury. But the head would be crushed, smashed, wouldn't it? And when Uncle Jamie, oh sorry, we talked about seed. Seed means the the children or the descendants. And Those that have got the New King James Version, the seed is often translated descendant. The seed of the woman that destroyed sin's thinking was Jesus Christ, Hebrews 2, verse 9 and verse 14. So I'm going to leave that slide up there for you kids tonight, if you haven't done it, in your Bibles. I want you to work your way through those promises that God made to Abraham as he confirmed the promises with him. And just colour in the word seed. So I've got it there highlighted in the blue. Genesis 12 verse 7 is the first place that that it's used. Then Genesis 13 verse 15 and 16, etc, etc. You can work your way through those promises that we coloured in last week. And just highlight the word seed because this is the golden thread that we're trying to follow through as we join all the first principles together and to understand the message of the Bible. Now in Galatians 3, I want to pick out the promise to Abraham which is spoken of in verse 8. You'll recognise it as a part of the conditional promises. In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. What does the word blessed mean? What does the word blessed mean? Any takers? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? So often we say, you know, He'll bless those that bless thee and curse them that curse thee and thee. All families of the earth should be blessed. And in your head you've got some sort of general thought about what blessing means, doesn't it? The word, of, of its simplicity, it means a benefit. Okay? So something positive. So a benefit comes out from being of the seed of Abraham. But if you look through just the context here in verse 6, for example, even as Abraham believed God and it was encountered to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the word is the same, righteous, the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So you might pick up there in those four verses there, that blessing really is being associated with being justified. Or the righteousness that God imputed to Abraham when he said to him in Genesis 15, look to the heavens, count the stars, and Abraham believed God, and that belief was counted to Abraham for righteousness. So this blessing, which is a benefit to us, is all about righteousness, or being justified. Now, I reckon if you're going to write any of these notes, a good spot to put it is there in, um, in Genesis 12 somewhere, all right? And refer to this little passage in Galatians. Galatians 3, verse 6 to 9. There we go. Galatians 3, verse 6 to 9. Now, <clears throat> when someone's justified or made righteous... There's two concepts to this. One is that the person is righteous. Righteous means without sin, okay? So there's two concepts to being righteous. One is you are sinless. There's only one person in the whole Bible that fulfills that, isn't it? That's kids? Jesus Christ, absolutely, isn't it? Now, the other concept of being righteous, if someone is prepared to forgive you, all right, and restore you to a, a position of righteousness. So, to be acquitted of wrong, or to be forgiven. Um, acquitted or reconciled. And that's what happens with us through baptism, isn't it? So we can be made righteous by being forgiven of our sins. So when it talks about, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, there's these two concepts that are tied up in, in it. One is Christ, who was righteous. The other is those that become Christ's and are forgiven of their sins. So they too are part of that family which is blessed. Now let's just read for us through Galatians 3 again. Just picking that up in verse, we'll read from verse 6 again. Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify or make righteous the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying... In you shall all nations be made righteous. Now, I just want to wheel our little talk back again to this talk about faith. So, we spoke in Hebrews 11, verse 3, about the fact that things that appear don't just appear out of randomness, it's about God choosing something and making his world fit into that framework. And so it becomes perfected. Now, if you read that verse, verse 8, you'll see that this is exactly what is happening in the life of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would make righteous the nations, or all nations, through faith, preach the gospel unto Abraham. So God is foreseeing how the nations are going to be made righteous through the example and the promises given to Abraham. You see that? So that's the world, not randomly things happening, but God making sure that he's got a purpose and a plan and is guiding it through this man, Abraham. It says there in verse 8 that he preached the gospel unto Abraham. Well, let's think about this. What is the gospel? And we need a quote to go with this. The gospel. I probably need a dry... (laughs) After everyone giving me a wet one, I need a dry one after that. Can you get me a dry towel, Steve? So the gospel was preached to... Abraham, what is the gospel? Sunday school kids, what is the gospel? It's got two parts to it, yeah? A message about Jesus Christ, okay, so gospel means good news, doesn't it? Part of it is about Jesus Christ, the other part of it, yep, the kingdom of God, okay, very good. So, thank you. Do you know where that is um, where that's explained for us? Anyone got a passage in the Bible? So the gospel equals good news. It's about Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And the passage is? Uncle Nathan, come on, someone older. Acts 8, verse 12. Okay. So the gospel, when the apostles went out throughout all the world, preaching the good news about how salvation could come to all people throughout the world, they said, this is the good news. That a man called Jesus Christ has come, through whom you can have forgiveness of sins and be made righteous before God. And that there's a kingdom of God coming that will fill the earth. In thee will all families of the earth be blessed. Okay? So the gospel is just wrapped up in that little nutshell of that phrase that was promised to Abraham. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Well, turn over with me to Galatians 3 and verse 16. Because when we often read that about the seed, you, you think the seed is talking about Israel, don't you? As this, this multitudinous seed. But Paul in Galatians 3 verse 16 says this, To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. To thy seed... Which is Christ. Galatians three, verse sixteen. So the seed that is being spoken about in the promises to Abraham is really specifically speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to turn you to turn with me to John chapter eight, because this is a a problem. Which natural Israel struggled with. Because natural Israel were the seed of Abraham. They were the nation that came through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and grew into this nation called Israel. And so they believe that because we are the natural seed, therefore we are naturally the righteous ones, are we not? And then Jesus Christ came along. And he started to speak to these Jewish elders that had this thinking in their mind. And he said, Well, actually, you're not the righteous ones, because the righteous ones are the ones who have been forgiven of their sins. You come with me to John chapter 8, and here we find the Lord Jesus Christ in the temple, speaking to the Jews that he is the Messiah. Verse 30 of John chapter 8. And Jesus spake these words, and many believed on him. And then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples, you're my followers indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, they answered him, But we are already Abraham's seed. We're, we're already naturally the children of Abraham. And we are never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So here was the natural seed of Israel who thought that because they were descendants of Abraham were naturally the righteous nation. But Jesus came to them and said, well, actually, no. You haven't been set free from sin. And the promise to Abraham about being blessed is the fact that you'll be acquitted of sins. Verse 35. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free... You shall be free indeed. Jesus said to them, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. So Jesus was pretty upfront, wasn't he? As he always was, of course. But he, he brought to the surface this conundrum. And that was that the Jews thought they were already righteous as the natural seed of Abraham. Jesus said to them, Well, Unless you actually overcome sin, you're not actually the seed of Abraham. You see the servant there? The servant dies. The servant is the one that's just in the house, occupying it. But the son of the house lives forever. So the servant was natural Israel, but the son was the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, verse 56... Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it. He was glad. You know that word rejoice? You know what it means? I love this. It means to spin on the spot. He was sitting there going, Woo! Yeah, right. Because he could see that a man was going to come that could forgive him his sins. All right? So he rejoiced to look forward and to see that God had in his purpose a seed that would ensure that his sins were forgiven. Verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews said unto him, You're only 50 years old. You're not even that. And hast hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Now that echoes back to Galatians 3, doesn't it? God foreseeing that the nations would be justified by faith. And here is Abraham who knew that it wasn't about the natural seed that would bring this blessing throughout the whole world. It was about the spiritual seed that would ensure that his sins could be forgiven and he would be blessed by God. Now come with me back to Galatians chapter 3. So there's this excitement, isn't there? This excitement in Abraham because he could look forward and he could see a way that his sins would be forgiven. In verse 22, we bring this whole story together and we see the wisdom and the power of God in this promise. Verse 22, the the scripture, remember the scripture foresaw that the, right, that the heathen would be justified by faith? Well, the scripture concluded that every man is under sin. So that's the Jews and the Gentiles. There's no one that's lived on this earth other than the Lord Jesus Christ, whose life has not been ruled through as a sinner. All of us are concluded under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed in Christ. Wherefore, the law, which the Jews gloried in, right? they gloried in the fact that they had been given this law, and therefore, that they had a way to prove themselves righteous in their work. But it was just a schoolmaster, a schoolmaster to tell them they were actually sinners and that they needed a way of forgiveness to be righteous and to be blessed as the seed of Abraham. It was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be made righteous by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster for we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So, We spoke about the fact that the seed is not a seed as in many. The seed and the promises to Abraham is one. It's Jesus Christ. And the one seed that was going to ensure that the promises were fulfilled, that the whole earth would be filled with those that that had that characteristic of Abraham, was going to be through that one seed, which is Christ. And the beauty of that, we can be a part of that seed through baptism. Because here it is, isn't it? Verse 27. As many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. And there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor male. There's neither male nor female. You're all brought together as one in Christ. So he becomes the family, isn't it? The family that's born through the seed. The seed of Abraham the family of faithful ones now brought together in Jesus Christ. Verse 29, if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and all heirs according to the promise. Okay, hopefully everyone's coloured in all those seeds, have you? Yeah, good, 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 good. Okay, because what we want to just do is conclude now with considering what baptism actually is. We begin by saying that Abraham was promised these promises, but he died not having seen them. And yet he still believed that he was going to inherit them. We come back to Romans chapter 6. We come back to a chapter that talks about baptism. And Romans chapter 6, in the context of it, leading up to it, in Romans 4, we looked at it last week, speaks about the fact that God had said to Abraham, you are going to be a father of many nations, in verse 17 of Romans 4. And at the time, we spoke about this last week, I've got a little few, few little minutes so I can embellish it just to, to bring the context together. We spoke about in Genesis chapter 15 that he, he didn't have a seed at that point. And yet in Genesis 15, God said to Abram. I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham because you are a father of many nations. I have made you a father of many nations. And when God says that to Abraham, he says it in the past tense, like it's already happened. But in the story, Abraham didn't even have a seed. So once again, we see the foreknowledge of God working with this man and being able to give him that confidence that this isn't a haphazard random promise. This is very much in my hands, the creator of the universe. You will be a father of many nations. But the way I say it in verse 17 is that it's already happened. So in Romans 4 verse 17, it says, Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not, as in they haven't even happened yet, as though they already had happened. That's faith, okay? So that's God telling Abraham, I'm changing your name because in my eyes, I've already seen that you're going to be a father of many nations. Well, it goes on then in verse 18, this whole struggle of faith, this trial of faith that Abraham didn't have a seed. Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body at at 90, dead. He said, no, no, I can still have a seed through my natural body. And then he looked at his wife. Sorry, he was 99, wasn't he? He looked at his wife, who was 90, who had been barren her whole life. And now was old age. And he looked at her and said, no, I don't stagger in unbelief. Because God has said that out of these two dead bodies, he will bring a seed. And the battle for Abraham was that God could bring life out of death. It became the same thing at the end of his life when he died. That even though he died, there was still a hope that these promises would be fulfilled through the resurrection. That was exactly the test in Genesis 22 when he took his own son up, Isaac, and was asked by God to offer him. And he would have offered him, believing that even if he was put to death, that God would raise him from the dead and the promises would still be fulfilled. So in Galatians 3... We're told that through baptism, we can become a part of the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what is baptism? Romans 6, verse 1 to 7. Uh, We'll start here from verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now baptism is a choice, okay? We've all seen baptisms, haven't we? Someone comes up, in the case of our hall here, we've got a bath, and they're buried under the water, aren't they? Symbolic like they've gone to the grave. And they want to show in their demonstration that in their lives they want to put sin to death. And when they come up, it's like they're rising from the dead in a newness of life, a new way of life. Now the faith of Abraham that is the challenge of baptism is this. For us to believe that by putting sin to death, God will actually work in us to bring a newness of life. So things like lying, things like stealing, if we're prepared not to do them and put them to death, that God will ensure that our minds can focus on godly things, works of love, works of preaching, and the more we cut off the way of sin, the more the way of godliness and a new life, new, new life, can grow. That's in its natural way, isn't it? Not only that, we believe that God has forgiven our sins and our conscience is freed from sin. But John 8, Jesus said to those Jews, you know the truth? The truth will set you free. That's what baptism does. And when you choose to be baptized, it's believing like Abraham that when you put that old man to death, that God can create new A newness of life. But it's more than that, isn't it? If we have been planted together in the likeness of death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. That's the exact language, isn't it, that we're talking about in John 8. But the greatest challenge to our faith isn't in our mortal bodies, is it? It's believing that our mortal bodies can be put to death and an immortal body can be given to us. And that was the challenge to Abraham. The challenge to Abraham was that he got given these promises but he never received them in a mortal body. The challenge to Abraham was that God would raise him from the dead and he would inherit those promises forever. And Romans 6 finishes with that, doesn't it? In verse 22 and 23. Now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ, who is the seed of Abraham. The only seed that could ensure that those promises given to Abraham would be fulfilled. So we come back to where we began. Hebrews 11, verse 1 to 3. That through faith we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which are appear. Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's easy to read, isn't it? To believe that God is. But the faith of Abraham says believing that he's a rewarder beyond our death. So mortality will bring us to death, but still having that faith of Abraham that there is a reward yet to come. Now to me, brothers and sisters, that is the power of the promises to Abraham. brother John Martin said to me once at School of the Prophets that when you're young and you're a kid, the promises and doctrines of your know, first principles are just that, they're knowledge. But as you get older, they become real life. When I was young, I thought the body I had could inherit immortality. I was pretty sure that I could go into the kingdom and whatever Jesus wanted us to do, I could do. But as you get older, you realise that you actually don't want to take this body into the kingdom at all. This body starts to get old. But it starts to get worn down by sin. And all it wants is to be set free. And that's what Uncle John meant when he said it. And kids, I want you just to remember that. You, You won't understand it at the moment. But there's many out here that will. Write down these first principles understand them as doctrines but as you get older you'll realize that they're far more than doctrines they're real life we can come back to hebrews 11 we can look at that and we can believe it We can look at the example of abraham and know that he believed it even though he reached that point of death that god would be faithful to reward him in that kingdom age to come when jesus christ will reign on this earth (music)